Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Culture Show on Holyish. Um, I am your host, Dylan Shortest, as always. Uh, and just want to remind you guys to uh, subscribe uh, on YouTube, follow us uh, Spotify, Google Podcast, um, Apple Podcast, anywhere you get your podcast, you can find us at holyish.us. Um, so great to have you. We're going to dive right in to what's trending this week. Uh, we have two things from the gaming uh, community. We have the new gameplay for Halo Infinity. Um, I played Halo growing up, a uh, big Xbox fan, until actually recently. Um, mine just died on me. The 360. Is it 360? Xbox One. Xbox One. Yeah, my Xbox One died on me. So I'm without a game, um, game system right now. Bummer. But uh, Halo Infinity looks pretty cool. The graphics look amazing. I mean, you would expect that. It's a newer game. Um, and then we have the Guardians of the Galaxy game. Um, Marvel's games, at least to me, haven't been looking that great, honestly. Um, the gameplay looks interesting. The storyline will probably be pretty cool if you're a big Marvel fan. Um, other than that, uh, the, the graphics don't look that great. Um, the perspective, um, it's, it's kind of a third-person perspective, it looks like. I may be wrong, but it just doesn't look too hot for me. Um, Movies-wise, we have a new, uh, I guess you can call it, um, uh, poster for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, and it looks like they spelt Quantum Mania in maybe a different language, like a whole bunch of Q's and O's and squiggly lines, I guess, and has to do with maybe Kang the Conqueror, not sure. Um, but that's pretty much it on that one. Um, Sports-wise, if you're interested, uh, Carmelo Anthony just made the ninth place for the all-time scoring list for the NBA. It's a big deal. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know why he's still playing. He's not a starter. Um, this isn't a sports podcast, so I won't dive too much into my thoughts on. Anthony still being around. But anyway, congratulations, Kamal Anthony. Ninth place. Awesome job. You've been in, this, in, in the NBA for like 30 years, longer than I've been alive. Um, and then we have some for TV. Uh, the Bachelorette uh, is one episode in to Michelle's season. I think that she is a great Bachelorette. She has a great personality. She's relatable. Um, she's a teacher. She apparently loves basketball. Um, I love basketball. No, not that I'm interested, Michelle. You're, but you are beautiful. You're great. Uh, we love watching you. Me and my wife do. Um, and we're excited for to see if you can find your person, as they say in The Bachelorette. Um, and then we also have the second episode of season three of uh, Succession. Uh, I'm going to do a completely... I thought I was just going to do like a uh, um, season intro, mid-season, and season finale review but it is just too good. It's too juicy. I think I'm just going to have to do a special episode for each, uh, or for a, a special podcast for each episode of Succession. So uh, be on the lookout for that as well. Um, that should be coming up here shortly. Um, and that is pretty much it for our trending for the week. Um, and we're going to dive right in to our spoiler review of Dune Part 1. Um if you haven't seen this movie yet, you might want to take the time right now to press pause, circle back. I'm going to be doing a summary of it and then kind of my 
thought analysis on each character and some of the plots. So if you have not seen Dune Part 1, pause now, come back later after you saw the movie. Or if you're just into spoiler reviews, I kind of like spoiler reviews, so let's go. Um, let me preface before I give my overall rating for the movie. I have not read the books. I have not seen the 80s movie. I really had no idea what this was about. I know it was like a sci-fi, Star Wars-ish movie, uh, but other than that, I had no idea what I was about to step into um, when I saw it um, uh, opening weekend. Um, so off the bat, I'm going to say I would give it three stars out of five. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. Uh, I just was exhausted after, after watching it. It's three hours long, and it's only part one, and I would say I would really name it Act One because really it was just an exposition of the Dune lore and who people are and what are the technology, what are the gadgets, what are they doing, what's what's going on behind the scenes. It was a lot to keep up with, and it was it was hard to keep up with. Sometimes I didn't know what was going on. Sometimes the score was so loud that I couldn't hear what the what some of the characters were saying. Um, also, FYI, I am a subtitle person. I love watching everything on subtitles. But I watched this in theaters, and so no subtitles. And so I was, like, screaming inside. I wanted to read at the bottom what was what were they saying, what was going on. Um, and so three stars for just how beautiful it is. The scores are interesting. They are beautiful. Um, and like I said, I'm new to the Dune Duneverse, I guess. Um and so I guess the director expected that as well. And so I'm guessing that's why they did one big movie just to introduce everyone to, to what Dune is, right? Um, and I would have given it more maybe if I read the books or maybe... Because I'm the type of person that I usually like to read a book and then see how they bring it to life and how what I pictured in my head matches to what the director um saw so i probably would have liked it more if i would have known what was going on but i was just exhausted towards the end um and so this is your final spoiler warning again guys i'm about to give a summary of the entire movie um this is how i at least how i understood i may not still know really what happened in dune this is kind of my summary um so we we start off first with this weird foreign voice um that is saying, uh, the quote was, uh, dreams are just messages from the deep. And that's kind of the whole premise, I guess, of who the main character, Paul, is. He has these dreams and visions. Uh, and so we start off with, uh, with Paul, uh, and he has the power to control people using his voice if he does like a certain pitch. Uh, a voice he can control, tell people what to do, and they have to do it. His dad is a lord uh, of a planet that they live on, and just like all the other planets, all the other lords, they are under the rule of the emperor. Uh, big Star Wars vibes already off the bat. Um, and they have been told that they need to go and harvest a drug on a planet called... 
Arrakis, I believe is how they said it. Arrakis. Um, it's a drug. It's the most valuable. Apparently, in the uni- in this universe, it's the most valuable mineral drug, whatever. Um, and so, whoever is harvesting that planet gets a lot of wealth, a lot of status. And so, the emperor is telling Paul's dad to go and harvest it. So they go with their family, okay, uh, and they're going to this this deserted planet. Um, there's locals there, like a local tribe, and they call them the Freeman, the Fremen, the Freeman. Um, and they are in tune with the desert. They've lived there for centuries, so we're told. Um, and so we're seeing that Paul's dad wants to coordinate with the Freeman to kind of learn their ways and kind of become one with them so they, they can harvest this drug easier, better, however you want to put it. Um, meanwhile, we find out that Paul's mother, who is a.k.a. a concubine, which is, I don't know, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that later, um, has the same power as Paul, but she actually knows how to use it. Um, and she is a part of a shadow organization that is pulling strings in the shadows um, and makes a deal with this bad guy who apparently was harvesting the drug before the emperor told him to leave. We, I still don't know why he was made to leave. Um, so the shadow organization, his mom, aka his mom's organization, um, makes a deal with the bad guy that we're supposed to know is the bad guy. Um, and they can take over the uh, Arrakis um, as long as they spare Paul and his mother because she's part of the organization. And they said, just drop them off in the desert. We'll take it from there. And so just like they bargained, this bad guy comes and just destroys like this guy's whole army, kills Paul's dad and kills pretty much everyone except for Paul, his mom, and then one other guy, played by Jason Momoa, um, escape. And so they get dropped off in the desert um, by themselves, just Paul and his mom. And um, the shadow organization knew that they'd be dropped off in the desert. So they went before them and planted this seed that apparently Paul is the Messiah and to treat him accordingly. Um, and, and remember, they all these people in this organization have that power to control people, basically tell them what to do, and they have to do it. And so we they're trying to find these people. Meanwhile, Paul is having these dreams and visions of Zendaya's character, and but for some reason she kills him sometimes in the dream. Sometimes it's like a nice romantic dream, I guess. Um, and so. Paul tries to find the Freeman and to get in with them because he knows that he can survive with them. And every time he runs into one, they kind of reference that he's the white messiah or whatever. I don't know. I don't. I still don't know fully if he is supposed to be the messiah or not. Um, and even Paul now knows that what his mom does in the organization and that, okay, like obviously you're telling these people they think I'm the messiah, but I'm not. In the beginning, he believes that. Okay. And uh, it goes on that Paul is going to finally meets with the main tribe of the Freeman, these local tribes, and decides that he is going to try to tell the emperor what has happened. These bad people killed my dad, killed thy kingdom. I, I need to plead, make a plea deal, kind of, and tell him all the corruption that's going on. 
And that's pretty much how it ends. Um, we get with Zendaya finally. She's like indifferent to him. It wasn't, like I said, it's an act one of, I'm guessing it's going to be like a three part um, series because it was just a big exposition of Dune and what's going on. So by the end of the movie, this three hour long movie, we basically just know, okay, he's about to go on a journey. All that led up to this potential journey, right? Um, and so it's 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 a lot. This is a big, long movie. There's a lot of moving pieces. And so I think the easiest way to kind of walk through this is by the characters. Um, and we're going to first start off with the supporting characters. And at first we have the Desert Worms, which... Even though they are supporting characters, they are always looming in this desert scape. Um, the first time we see this giant lizard, lizard, what I say lizard, <laughs> this giant worm is um, this big harvesting machine and the worm gets like underneath it and it definitely gave me like Star Wars, uh, is it Sarlacc Pit? with uh, Luke Skywalker, just how it just swallows anything whole in there. Um, the screenwriters, the directors, all the film crew, they did a great job at making me feel like I was down there with them and I needed to do whatever I could to get out of there before that worm got there. So it was a really great shot. It really felt intense and terrifying, which is one of the great things about this movie is they make you feel involved and in that in that movie uh next is i'm gonna say try to say this right chani uh zendaya's character uh she she was billed before this movie came out as like uh timothy and zendaya like i thought that was the top cast but other than the dreams and vision she's like in the last 10 minutes of the movie uh Kind of disappointing. I'm, I'm sure that she's going to be a main role in these next parts, or part if it's just two parts. Um, but it was kind of disappointing. Um, and also, I was confused because he, she he's like not falling in love with her, but like it seems like he's into her the way he sees these visions and dreams of her and the mood tones. Um, and then occasionally she kills him in the dreams. So I don't know if he's seeing the future because he, he sees people that he's going to meet, but are what they, are they doing what they're going to do? Or does it mean something of what they're going to do or how they're going to represent in his life? It was kind of confusing, but I guess she'll be bigger in the next one. Next we have Dr. Wellington was a completely flat character. Okay. Like completely flat. We don't learn about his family being abducted until the very end, after he's already betrayed the whole kingdom, empire, whatever it is. And then so when he dies, when he gets killed to be like the, the cliche, like, I told you I'd, be, I'd let you be with them. That didn't mean they're alive. So he kills them to let them be with his family because they're already dead. I didn't, and this might sound sad, but I didn't have sympathy for them because... I didn't connect with him. I didn't see him with his family already. I didn't connect to that family at all. And so it was kind of like a flat, like, oh, we just needed someone to betray him. Let's give him a reason to betray him that's not so, oh, I betrayed you because I want money or power, I guess. So that was a that was kind of disappointing. 
next we have, I'm going to mispronounce a lot of these names, guys. Going forward, just FYI, Glossu, Glossu, uh, played by Dave Batista. Okay, I I loved Dave Batista in Guardians of the Galaxy. He was a nice humor, serious kind of tough guy, but very very humorous. This was like the same character as Guardians of the Galaxy, but way emotional, not funny. He he's like yelling and screaming because he they had to leave the Arrakis to go because they couldn't harvest anymore and he was like throwing a, a tantrum because of it um, and then he's he's beheading like prisoners of war for no reason um, I know that's like a bad guy move but it's, it's still not likable for a bad guy like we like to like the bad guys like oh he's a good bad guy this one wasn't I don't I don't think he was maybe he played that's what's that's what's hard about this whole movie was it might be players that are going to be more involved in the next parts and all that. But so far, his character was pointless. I didn't like it. Um, And then we had Jamis, um, played by Babs. And I'm so sorry I can't pronounce his name. I'm I'm not even going to attempt to. Um, I don't want to insult anyone with my terrible um, pronunciation of his last name. But Babs, um, we first see him in Paul's dreams. Um, and he's saying like, I'm going, I will show you the ways of the desert in the dream. Okay. And what's confusing is we actually do end up running into his character. Paul does. And for some reason he's enraged and he wants to fight Paul's mom, but Paul steps in as her replacement to fight him. And so we now have this Messiah character who is supposed to kill this black man. And Timothy Chalamet is white as white can be. And so I just didn't like to see like this white dude having to kill this black guy in order to move forward with his journey. It didn't set well with me. Um, I'm not sure if you noticed or if it bothered you. I mean, it, it just set, it set poorly with me. Like you have to kill this black guy in order to move on with his journey. Which made me think, why was the guy in his dream saying, like, I'm going to help you, I'm going to show you the ways of the desert, if in the end Paul really has to kill him? Confusing. I don't have an answer for you guys. I'm still I'm still lost in it as well. Um, and so next we have Stilgar, played by Javier Berdin. I probably mispronounced that as well. I apologize. <laughs> um, any movie he is in, he just turns it on. There's... I don't know if it's necessarily his character, but it's like who he is as an actor or as a person, it like creates this like mysterious intrigue around him that just makes you like drawn to him. You want to know more. You want to see him more. Um, he's not in here very much. Um, he's in the maybe middle of the movie for like five to 10 minutes, well, probably five minutes leaves. And then he comes in at the end. He's a part of Zendaya's tribe, the Freeman. Um, and I loved his character. I hope to see him a lot more in the movie. He is just, it's just this charisma about him. I love it. Um, okay, and so next we have Gurney Halleck, played by Josh Brolin, a.k.a. Big Daddy Thanos. Uh, and so this was another character um, that I just thought was 
pointless, a lot like Dave Batista's character. Um, kind of emotional. Apparently, he's like a colonel, lieutenant of Paul's dad's army. Um, he doesn't like the Freeman. I guess he's run into issues with them or something. And so, <laughs> another character that just wasn't wasn't great for the movie. I don't know how they added to the movie. He was the one to try to teach Paul how to fight or maybe has taught Paul how to fight. But I think our next character that we're about to go into could have taken that place as well as doing his role in the movie. And that is Duncan Idaho, played by Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa is always Jason Momoa in every movie, okay? He's this big guy, looming character, um, towering over everyone, but he's also has this like joking, playful side to him. And so that aspect of it, I really loved. Okay. I love seeing like the big brother vibes for, um, Paul. Um, the only downside is he's such a big guy that whenever he's like kind of roughhousing a little bit with Paul, it makes Paul look like a little boy, like a little boy, like the relationship you would have with, um, like a, 20-something-year-old with, like, a 10-year-old. That's what it seemed like at times because he's just such a big guy. Maybe they could have casted someone maybe, like, 10 years. Um, Paul Sr., that's a little taller than him, a little bigger, but still, like, this cool warrior guy. Um, and speaking of the the warrior scene with uh, Jason Momoa, I have some questions. Okay, we learn that the technology, the shields that they turn on on their on their wrist, um, protects them from any fast-moving blade projectile. But if it's moving slow enough, you can go through the shield. Okay, that's how you fatally wound someone potentially in this movie. And then we have Duncan's big battle scene at the end, where Paul had a vision that he would die in it, and he ends up dying in it. So again, some dreams and visions are coming true, some are not. Um, and so, but we see, we see Jason Momoa just like slicing down people, making his way through certain kills and they're quick and happening fast, but maybe only Jason Momoa has the power to like kill people through the shield quickly and easily and not where it's like, you have to go slowly through the shield. So there's a, I don't know if it's a plot hole or just maybe just a cool action scene that they try to come up with. I wasn't, that, it, it bothered me. It stood out to me quite a bit, but um, it is what it is. Next, we have Vladimir Harkonnen, uh, played by Stellan Skarsgård. He is a, a super famous um, actor. He plays a lot of drama roles. And they put him, and I'm not trying to be insensitive, guys. They put him in a fat suit, okay, where you can tell his, the shape of his face is who he is but the neck is gone and like, and I guess they're, I don't know what they were trying to do with the character. Maybe that's canon to who the bad guy is in the books. I don't know, but they, they messed up your boy Skarsgård. Okay. Uh, and he is, we're told that he's the main bad guy in the movie. Not told right outright, but his actions and the kind of way he behaves. But I guess they didn't want to, 
do too much CGI on him. So like he was always like hidden in like a fog room or in a pool or behind some type of object or something. And it isn't until one scene when he rose up out of his chair and began to like hover, but he had like these long robes on. And for a split second, I told myself, if he turns out to be a centipede, I am walking out of this movie. Because it looked like he just had a one long body that just kind of rose up. And I was like, are we going this sci-fi like that? I have, <laughs> I draw the line somewhere with my, my sci-fi films, okay? And if he was a centipede, I was literally going to, I'm not finishing this movie. It turned out that he has some type of tech that he can like hover over things, which I guess he's overweight so he can't walk maybe. I don't know. So that was my take whenever I saw him rose, I was going to walk out if he turned out to be a centipede or caterpillar or whatever it is. Um, I don't think he's going to be the main bad guy. Um, yes, he has a lot of power and, I guess, resources. Um, but and, but I don't think he's going to be the series bad guy. He's probably going to be a small bad guy compared to the shadow organization that we uh, spoke a little bit about earlier. We're going to speak a little bit more soon. Um, next, we have Lido uh, Atreides, which is Paul's dad. It's played by Oscar Isaac. He's an amazing actor. Anything he's in, um, he's great at. I think he played off the royalty vibes very well. Like I could see him being like a lord or king or whatever he's supposed to be on their planet. Um, I thought they were going to go the route of um, he's... He's one way to Paul. He's kind of explaining things to make it seem like he's a good guy and that he has good intentions, but it turns out that, or Paul will eventually learn by certain circumstances that his dad's actually not a great person and that he's actually doing terrible things to certain people. But it turns out none of that's true. They like pulled one over on me that he actually is just a decent guy, a decent kink, and he really wants to unite with the Freeman and be able to be one with them and learn their ways. And then he just gets killed off. So it was kind of a bummer. It was like, oh, he actually is a great guy. And then they kill him off. It's like, okay, now we're stuck back with Paul again, like to, I guess, cheer for, even though he's a white dude going around killing black people, essentially. I don't know. Um, again, I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't make too much more about it. It's, it just, it's, it bothered me. Uh, I don't know why he had, he had to be a black actor that he killed. I don't, I don't know if they thought about that, um, but it's still just, I mean, racial injustice just is on my heart, and it's, it's hard for me, but we will press on. Now we have Gaius Helen, which is, I'm not sure if this was Paul's mother's mom, so Paul's grandmother, or maybe just the boss of the organization, but she is definitely like the Sith Lord of the Duniverse, okay? She's behind the scenes, pulling strings, treating like the emperor that we never even meet or see, like he, that's, he's her puppet or something like that. Uh, and so I think that either her organization or her herself is going to be the big bad because we saw in that scene um, with the box and he has to, Paul has to put his hand in there and she's holding up like a poisonous dart needle to his neck. To get him over there, the powers that she used, which are the same as Paul's, are not only better than Paul's, not only better than Paul's mom, but are like instantaneously, whenever she says it, next thing you know, you're it's there, you're doing it and you come back too. Like 
it was instantaneously as compared to anyone else's powers we've seen so far. Um, they called her a witch, and I definitely got witchery vibes from her, uh, especially in that room with the bot. It was like a ritual, and I was getting like not great vibes from like the satanic ritual type stuff and like the the wall color and like the bots and like the the poison needle and i just i didn't really enjoy that but um i don't know if even i would let my kids watch it even if they were 13 i don't know it depends on how my kids behave but definitely a lot of like witchcraft vibes going on there with her I get that she's the big bad, so they have to make something bad about her, make her a bad person. And so I just don't think they had to go full on witch vibes. She could have just had a power and just used it badly, but it kind of gave me a witchcraft vibe. So I didn't like, but it is what it is. And that leads us to Paul's mom, Lady Jessica, played by Rebecca Ferguson. She is, um, she was, she was great in it. I didn't think she was going to be like, the main character along with Paul. I didn't know it was going to be revolved around them the whole entire movie. Like I said, I thought it was going to be a Zendaya that was with him. But she might not be a great mother. I mean, she basically turned her son over to the Shadow Organization to test him. I don't know if maybe she had it to her, had it done to herself so she knew that it wouldn't really hurt him as long as he kept his hand in. Regardless, I'm not sure if she is going to be able to um, be with her son and be with the Shadow Organization at the same time. I think eventually that they are going to have some type of conflict where her mom is going to, his mom is going to have to make the choice to either sacrifice her son or sacrifice herself to save her son. Um, because like I said, it's, it's definitely coming to the point where, okay, is he going to, is he with us in our organization or is he going to be with the free men helping to liberate them or so on? Right. And that brings us to Paul himself played by Timothy Charlemagne. Um, he knows that the organization planted this seed of Messiah talk and he's kind of like teenager vibes like frustrated and kind of going against it but at the same time or I guess towards the end of the movie it's almost like he starts believing it by the by the things that he's doing and the basically by the confidence you see build up in him throughout the movie and I'm not I'm still not sure if he's supposed to be this savior type messiah um I think that if they are going to do that with him I think he needs to, they need to go the route where he does not use his powers because his powers are basically essentially immoral to be able to force people to do something. And so I think he, they, he needs to take the route if he wants to be the good savior of this series is I'm not going to use these, my powers because I know that's immoral. I'm going to do it and I'm going to beat the people who have these powers without using these powers by using the choices of free will of others to show you like we can overcome this power. This power is nothing compared to free will and, and unity. And I think, I mean, he already used his powers a little bit or he tried to, to save his mom's life. And I get life and death situations. You got to do what you got to do. Right. 
I just I, I think they need to go that route. I think that'll be best for the series. And then I'm thinking, and I don't want to, you know, make some people mad, but I'm thinking that he's going to have to copy the greatest story ever told, and I think he's going to have to sacrifice himself in order to save the free man or saves and dies character, someone make that ultimate sacrifice to show like, okay, just like Christ is our savior, he is the Messiah in this universe, he has to sacrifice himself to truly step into that Messiah role. Um, and so that's that's pretty much my take on it. It was a good movie. I'm glad I watched it. Um, three hours long, I'll never get that back. I'm already in uh, like involved, invested into this movie, into this lore, to this universe. And so I am excited for part two. Um, I hope it's not three hours long again. Some movies can do it. Some movies, it just seems long and drawn out, which Dune was. But it was a good movie, and I would recommend it. Um, And so, guys, just a quick reminder that um, to ask us any questions you have at holyishpod at gmail.com. You can comment below on YouTube with any questions or comments that you have. Let me know what you guys think um, about the Dune review. Let me know if you disagree, agree with certain character, plots, ideas, going forward, things like that. Um, Again, this is Dylan Shortis. You're watching The Culture Show on Holyish. Thank you all so much for watching and listening. I can't wait to talk to you all guys soon. Thanks again. Bye.